What are the actual challenges Broderick Jones has to overcome to be a starter in week one? We'll talk about that with Mike DeFabo of The Athletic here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And as I said before, we're joined by Mike DeFabo of The Athletic. We have him on a, on a lot here. We're glad to have you back again, Mike. He recently wrote an article that you should check out on The Athletic Steelers roster breakdown one thought on every player, starting with the offense. And we'll get to your thoughts on Kenny Pickett in a bit here. But, Mike, I wanted to, to start with your thoughts on Broderick Jones. And, of course, Broderick Jones, first-round pick. They traded up to get him. Lots of excitement for what he could do. And you and I, we watched him practice in OTAs and minicamp. But what did we really watch? Because he was just doing foot, foot drills. There's no hitting. Who cares at that point? But you put out a really important quote, or I think a good quote, about Pat Meyer, the offensive line coach, talking about Broderick Jones, and he says, quote, if you draft a guy in the first round, you're not drafting a guy to sit him. When he's ready to play and we think he's ready to play, the kid is going to play. Now the question is, when will that be? Mike, we've had a lot of different people give their perspective on it. We've had uh, Jim Wexel come on and say he's not so sure that he even will start this year, but I think that he's a guy that could earn it by day one. Do you think that's going to happen? And if you do, if you do or don't, Talk to us about what he has to do to earn that spot. Yeah, it was funny. The story was basically asking one question about every player, and mm -hmm. it was pretty easy to come up the question for Broderick <laughs> Jones because everyone's been talking about this. When's this guy going to start, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think anybody, even Mike Tomlin, has the real answer to this and can say definitively what's going to happen. This is going to be one of those cases that truly Broderick Jones is going to go into training camp in Latrobe. You're going to see how he does when the pads come on and they have that first padded practice. And then through those preseason games, how does he actually hold up? So he's really going to write the story himself. And so right now we are projecting and are predicting. But that said, I, I am of the mind that, like Pat Meyer said, you drafted him in the first round, you should play him. And I would, in all situations, the tie goes to Broderick Jones. And as soon as yes. he's, you know, you feel he's up to speed, even though you realize maybe he's going to take his lumps um, especially in pass protection, I would rather see him develop by getting onto the playing field early and, um, and learning through his experiences. Because to me, this is still a team in development and an offense in development. And the only way that he's going to get better is going to be to play. So I would like to see him sooner than later. But that said, the counter argument to that is he's just played in 19 college games. You know, he True. only 19 college starts to his name. So he was one of the less experienced offensive linemen in the draft in that regard, even though he has the athleticism in, in the upside that made him the first round pick and made the Steelers convinced they could trade up for him. So that's the, the balance that the Steelers are going to have to weigh. But again, I'm, I'm on the side of you drafted this guy. You not only did you draft him, you moved up to get him. I would like to see him sooner than later. I'm on the same page here. You, you you drafted him for a reason at that high. And personally, like, 
I know that yeah, I know that there's a lot of Steelers fans that are excited because he's now a Steeler, but I was on the Broderick Jones train from the jump, just looking at the tape. I was like, that guy is the best offensive offensive lineman in this draft class. I know there's people out there that disagree with me, but uh, but I, I felt that when he fell that far, I was like, I had him on my my pre-draft uh, rankings as my number one offensive tackle. When he was falling that far, I'm like, this is working out. I and mean, then it did work out. And that's where I'm at with, with where he is now is like, look, like, yeah, sure. Dan Moore Jr. is going to be a lot more polished in their system. He's going to be more. He's going to be more knowledgeable of the checks that they need to switch into. Um, but I and I and I and I get that that's very important in protecting Kenny Pickett because that's the bottom line here is that you have to protect Kenny Pickett. He cannot take take some of the abuse that he did last season. And left tackle is is, is the blind spot side that he, that needs to be protected. However, considering all of that. I think Broderick Jones is in a position where he can be that guy that creates it. Like you said, just make it, even if it's not a tie, if it's just a very marginal difference in the strengths and weaknesses between him and Dan Moore Jr., that's where I think Broderick Jones can win over uh, his 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 spot here is that if he, if he just makes it close, I think that they're like, hey, not only that, but you have Isaac Siomalo, a 30-year-old yes. veteran offensive guard who can line up next to him and help him out if he does experience problems. Yeah, you just read my mind, Chris, because that was the point I was going to get into is that uh, Isaac Siomalo should absolutely help whoever the left tackle is, and especially once it becomes Broderick Jones inevitably. And so I think that that definitely works to Broderick Jones' advantage. And the other thing I think that works for Broderick Jones' advantage, they drafted him for a reason. You know, left tackle was not a strength of this team. Uh, I don't have the stats right in front of me, but I believe Dan Moore allowed maybe the sixth most sacks in the league last season. So, you know, he, he was, I would say, average at best when it comes to a, an offensive tackle. And, and so I think plugging Broderick Jones in earlier, uh, you're giving him an opportunity to prove that, that he has a higher ceiling. And, and I also think you have to look at the style of offense that the Steelers are going to run, and I think that should also work to Broderick Jones' advantage. This is not going to be a team that they drop back and throw the ball 40 times a game, 50 times a game. They have made no bones about it that they want to be an effective running team. And, and in that situation, I think Broderick Jones is prepared to step in. And, and not only that, he's very athletic. Uh, that's one of the biggest things about him. Uh, he's a former basketball player that really kind of seems like that. So, you know, his ability to get out in space and when the Steelers run a screen, which would very much be something that Matt Kinnon is going to call a lot of, you know, imagine Broderick Jones out there in space, paving the way, leading the blocking. Imagine when they run, um, you know, the, the, the jet suites, him getting out there, you know, mm -hmm. or, or things of that nature, just using his athleticism to get out and play in space. And so I think when you have a team that is going to run the ball as much as the Steelers plan to, I think maybe that works to, to Broderick Jones' advantage and could help him see the field quicker than, than maybe another player on a team that wants to be more pass-heavy. I want to talk more about that athleticism part here about Broderick Jones because to be using that athleticism to be able to pull in that work in space, he has to be able to keep up with what's being asked of him at the NFL level. I'll talk about more about that, those challenges with Mike DeFable from The Athletic here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. Don't go anywhere. we got a lot more to talk about that and Kenny Pickett, where, uh, what Mike's expectations are for him as we are just now a, few, a little bit less than three weeks from, this, from when players report 
to training camp for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But before we talk any further about that, I want to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at FanDuel Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in America. And you can take your first swing at betting on Major League Baseball on FanDuel, and you can get 10 times your first bet amount back in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. If you bet just 20 bucks, you can land $200 back in bonus bets, and that's win or lose on your first bet. That's $200 that you can that you can spend betting on everything from the money line of games to the over-under to who you think is going to hit off your, the first home run of the game you're going to watch tonight. All in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet than on, M- that on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get signed up to get $200 back in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Mike DeFable of The Athletic. Mike, I got to ask about the kind of the question I was talking about there. You talked about Broderick Jones being involved more with his athleticism, being able to maybe be involved in, in a pulling tackle role and, do, and handling more things from here. But to do that, he's going to have to be ready for a lot of different changes, a lot of different things that he's going to have to memorize, understand, and also adjust to because – it's one thing to maybe do some of those things at the collegiate level when you're going up against, you know, other college athletes, but he's going to be going up against the best of the best in the NFL. And every player has a learning curve into the NFL. I don't care if you're Aaron Donald. I don't care if you're, uh, if you're Joe Burrow, everybody, Patrick Mahomes, you all learn at some level that, Hey, you got to step up your game somehow, some way. And, when uh, when I think with Broderick Jones, it's going to be this, it's going to be a similar question. We saw that with Kenny Pickett in the first half of the season last year. Was he was kind of getting his feet wet and figuring things out, making mistakes, but figuring things out. What do you think? How do you think Broderick Jones is going to tackle that part of his game? Granted, we have only seen him play, like you said, 19 college games. So he's still kind of even adjusting to a all, playing a lot of football games, period, at a higher level. Well, um, you know, I, I reported a profile about Broderick Jones, and one of the things I did was I went back and looked at a lot of different quotes from, from people, and one of them was from Kirby Smart. And, and he said that when Broderick Jones came to Georgia and they would tell him something that he needed to do, he would almost take it personally, and he would get a little bit offended and be like, you know, why are you picking on me kind of thing. But once he realized that they were trying to help him, he, they said that he became very much the kind of guy that would embrace the, the criticism and the critiques and use that to get better. So I think the fact that he came through, you know, established type of program, an SEC program uh, with a coach like Kirby Smart, I think that should help him that he's going to come in with the right kind of mindset and he's going to, you know, come in ready to work and ready to work hard. I feel you. I think that's what been his MO. Uh, when, when you talk to Kirby Smart at Georgia, what he was able to do there, he said Broderick Jones was always – there with him and challenging him and saying, coach, what do we need to do here? What do we need to do there? And um, I think, I think that that's something that Mike Tomlin relishes and Mike Tomlin, he's the guy, he's not going to give anyone that, that kind of kudos uh, as a rookie coming in. He's not trying to hype them up necessarily, but he's going to test them. Let's see, let's see how, how he does. One thing that Mike Tomlin does and he loves to do is that he schedules a lot of, some teams practice like early in the morning uh, when it's, when it's a little bit cooler out for practice, but the Steelers, they like to practice at the hottest point of the day. Why? Okay. Because Mike Tomlin wants to push his players. He wants to challenge them to see like, Hey, 
how annoyed can they be with the weather? How conditioned can we be? And how can they take some harsher conditions in the hot August summer days uh, out at St. Vincent College? And I think that that's where you're, we're going to start to see Broderick Jones. And I'm also going to be intrigued. How does Broderick Jones take on the challenge of other guys messing with him? Because, like, speaking on, like, guys like Cam Hayward, you've been there at practices where Cam Hayward, he's just there to needle at somebody. That's part of his his job that he takes as a, as a leader. He wants to kind of annoy you, to tick you off, and then see how you're going to respond to get to bring out the, the, the nastier side of you. I think another part of this is how Broderick Jones responds to that and shows that he's not someone to, to, to be to be picked with uh, so that when he's ready, when he's, when the Steelers start playing other teams, that he's already been through a, a, a few battles and scuffles with the Steelers themselves so that they, they've kind of seen hey this is how tough this guy is yeah definitely you kind of have to earn your respect in the locker room but I think that he will you know speaking of that profile I wrote about him uh, like people describe Broderick Jones as a big lovable bear and they said he's really epitomizes the whole gentle giant kind of thing but at the same time they said when he needs to be he can be an enforcer and there's the great story about there's a big fight at his high school and you know kids are out crowded around with cell phones screaming and brought big Broderick Jones wades through, grabs a kid, pulls <laughs> him into the cafeteria, puts him in there. And he's like, stay there. And um, you know, if he can have that kind of respect from kids in high school who are, you know, a little feisty, a little bit rough around <laughs> the edges, then, you know, I imagine he's going to have like a similar personality with the Steelers where when it's time to step up and be tough on the football field, he can do that. When it's time to sit back and joke around with the guys in the locker room or in the film room, he could do that as well. I feel you. I feel you on that. I, I think that that's that's part of what we need to see because you know it's one thing to do at different levels, but if that's your personality, if that's just not not just how you were in your know, in college because you got a growth spurt, but if that's always been who you've been. I think that's a good sign moving forward for him. And before we get on to Kenny Pickett, I, I think it's important to talk about how we expect this offensive line to kind of come together. I think one of the biggest advantages the Steelers got in that second half of the season was that their offensive line as a collective was, was operated on a higher level. They were more, they were more together. They seemed more in sync. They won more kids consistently more battles up front. And now you're looking at an offensive line where basically the left side, if Broderick Jones wins that left tackle position, Isaac Siomalo basically was, has been given the left, the left guard position. Um, but if those two guys are in there, that's, that's, that's what 40% of the offensive line from last year being different. How do you think this group tackles the approach of trying to pick up where they left off, but with, you know, two of the players being brand new to their offense? Right. I think that of the offensive line was the position group that improved most as the season went on last year. I mean, think back to training camp and some of the preseason games, we were sitting here watching the quarterbacks getting killed and thinking this offensive line is going to be the weak link. They're going to be the thing holding the Steelers back. And by the end of the season, I would argue that, you know, they were the ones paving the way for success. The Steelers transformed into the NFL's ninth best rushing team the second half of the season. And the way that the offensive line gelled under offensive line coach Pat Meyer, I think, was a massive part of that. And I, I think that is a very fair and good question, Chris, is how, how will they come together in training camp? Because – you know, Mike Tomlin talked about when we asked him about, like, why are they better? Why are they improving? And he said, you know, had a great quote about, like, sometimes you just need to learn how to get four hands on guys. Basically meaning, the, you know, both offensive linemen working together on the same block and, and having that kind of camaraderie and having that kind of cohesion. So I think a veteran like Isaac Sayamalu helps a lot. Um, but 
you know, I also think it's Pat Meyer helping get these guys up to speed. And I think that uh, since at least some parts of the offensive line are the same, that should help. But um, definitely there's questions because, you know, they all five starters um, from last season started in all five games or in all 17 games, which is very rare. And that continuity was a big part of the way that they improved. So now with some moving pieces, the challenge will be to, to have that same success, even though you've switched some things out. I, I hear you. I think that's going to be one of the biggest things that we see is, is if that success can, can happen with it being changed. Pat Meyer, though, I think did establish something with this group last year. And there's some continuity there. And they want to carry that continuity over. I think Mason Cole can be a good stabilizer. I think James Daniels has been uh, you know, was very good, maybe even the best part of the offensive line last year um, as far as being really consistent. Chukuma Korofor, I think that, you know, I've said for a while, he needs he needs to get more aggressive. I need to see more nasty about of him in run blocking, in burying opponents, in pass protection. I think that he has the perfect build of an offensive tackle, and I think that he gets the fundamentals down pretty well. But if he could, if he could learn how to bury more opponents more consistently, I think he becomes – the offensive tackle that they're paying for. And that's a guy, I think that's, that's like a 13 ish million dollar cap hit on this, on the Steelers roster this year. I may be overshooting that by a little bit, but uh, point being, I think they have some assets. If these two guys, Seomalo and Jones can become very reliable assets, I think, it, and even like maybe become, become pillar players for them. I think that they've got something brewing there on the offensive line that can change up the entire offense, both for Najee Harris and Kenny Pickett. But I want to get Mike's thoughts on Kenny Pickett in just a minute here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast don't go anywhere we'll get where his thoughts led him to what he actually expects realistically for Kenny Pickett to do in his second year that and hearing more on the Lockdown Steelers podcast stick with us we'll be right back Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Mike DeFabo of The Athletic. Mike, got to talk to you about Kenny Pickett here because you brought up, um, you brought him up at the lead of the article, as naturally so, talking about the <laughs> offense, you got to lead with the quarterback. And looking at Kenny Pickett and what he's, you, you, your big question was how much growth will he show in year two? And you highlighted, you know, he had uh, his completions percentage was at, was at 39%, took six sacks in, thir- in just 13 games. In the red zone. Um, in the red zone. I'm sorry. This is all the red zone. I apologize right. forgot to, to phrase that. And in the red zone, a 39% completion percentage was the worst in the league. And you look at, at those numbers in the red zone. How does he get better in the red zone? When we when you go back and you look at what he did last year, you know, no touchdown passes to Deontay Johnson for anybody on the Steelers. But what was the biggest factor that you saw that like, hey, if he does this, it will start to lead to more touchdowns than field goals for the Steelers? Right. The, the, an issue the Steelers had last season is that they moved the ball pretty well between the 20s, but once they would get into the red zone, things would stall. And mm-hmm. this is not atypical for a young quarterback. You know, some of the things that a young quarterback face or any quarterback faces when you get close to the goal line, all those windows get a little bit tighter, you know, and and things get just a little bit faster. Teams are bringing more blitzes against you. Maybe they're playing. uh, They actually uh, the Steelers faced a lot of press man coverage when they got down into the red zone, um, like a higher percentage than most teams. Um, So I, I think it's. A couple things. It's going to be in year two, Kenny Pickett will see and process the game more quickly. And so when receivers are open or he sees a different coverage, 
where he feels like there is an opportunity, he'll recognize it and he'll be able to make a confident decision and put the ball where it needs to be. The other part of it is, remember when he was thrown into the week four game at halftime? At that point, he had basically no live full team reps with the starting mm-hmm. wide receiver core. So for me, you know, they've done things like I think they went to Florida. I can't remember whether it was Miami or one of those beautiful, nice beaches and hung out. But then they also worked out together. And they're going to work out through OTAs, through minicamp, and now through training camp um, so that Kenny has more familiarity. You know, he, he had it when he was at Pitt, you know, with, uh, with Addison. He, he knew where he was going to be, where he liked the ball. You know, those two guys, without talking, they had the nonverbal communication and that connection. It's about, for me, him building some of those same things with Deontay Johnson, with George Pickens. And, and really, I especially look for him to build that kind of rapport with Deontay Johnson because Deontay Johnson was a pro bowler when Ben was here. And, and you have to look at the type of receiver he is. He's not big. He's not overly fast that he's going to run by guys. But where he's elite is getting in and out of cuts and as a route runner. And so for Kenny Pickett, it's about recognizing that Deontay Johnson has just that little bit of separation and finding him on time and on target. And especially in the red zone, that's where it's going to show up most. So, you know, I think it's a combination of those factors. It's, it's Kenny getting more experienced, learning the league, learning coverages, knowing what to expect. And then it's also him getting on the same page with his receivers so that when he sees that happen, he knows that his guys are going to be where he needs them to be. I hear you on that. And I think that the, one of the biggest challenges I think definitely comes is, is the timing because when you have a guy like Deontay Johnson, like you said, he, he's not the big guy that you can just lob it up to and say, go get that. You have to wait for him to hit his spot and to make his move, and that requires experience, timing, trust, things that are built over time with players. If That's not something that Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger got right away. It took them years to develop the connection that they had. And again, I'm not comparing Ben Kenny Pickett to Ben Roethlisberger or, or Deontay Johnson and Antonio Brown, but I am saying that they'll think that the, the if they're going to develop a connection, it's going to take time. And to your point, the Steelers were 51.92% as far as touchdown percentages in the red zone. That was 22nd best in the NFL. They they were, and they that only dropped from about 54%, which was 21st best in the NFL the year before with Ben Roethlisberger. But back in 2020, uh, under Randy Feekner, when he was offensive coordinator, the Steelers had the eighth best red zone offense when they were scoring 66% of the time in the red zone when it came when it came to touchdowns and i do think that is a huge key for this offense because when you look at how uh how the league how the league is built the stats and how you know everything everything played out the steelers ranked uh to, ranked ranked towards the bottom of the league when it came when it came to pure offense they ranked 26th in scoring with 18.1 but if they can turn the average field goal possession into uh, into a touch into a touchdown you know an average of four, four points difference per, per game there that automatically would put them at, at 22 points per game that'd be good for 14th best in the NFL last year that would be slightly better than what the Green Bay Packers did with Aaron Rodgers and that puts them if they're 14th best on offense and not dragging the the, the team down with with the way they did the last few seasons um, I think that puts the defense in a position where if they are a legitimate elite defense if they're top five and they're getting stops and creating turnovers I think it makes this team a lot more competitive because they'll be putting more points up on the board. If their defense is still playing, they won't be nearly as tired as they've got sometimes in the earlier part of the, of last season. 
Yeah, definitely. The red zone is important, obviously. You know, it's it's massive part of the game. But when you look at the way that the Steelers want to play, like you're mentioning, lean on elite defense, run the football, shorten games, they're going to be in a lot of low possession, uh, low scoring type of games where every possession is at a premium. And the difference between seven and three points is going to be the difference in winning and losing a lot of football games. So absolutely improving on the red zone, I think is one of the biggest things the Steelers as a whole need to do. And especially Kenny Pickett. I also think that they've uh, upgraded the personnel and the changes to their personnel are going to be especially pronounced or noticeable when they get into the red zone. You know, we just talked about the offensive line, say Amalu, uh, Broderick Jones, you know, Darnell Washington is going to be interesting as both a blocker and a pass catcher in the red zone. You know, the, Pat Fryermuth, uh, if he's going to ascend and turn into an, a truly elite tight end in this game, you know, he's going to need to continue to become a massive threat in the red zone and catch more passes there, where I think he just had one touchdown catch, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, you know, I think all those things kind of combine where, where, you know, it's an area that they need to improve but I do think that the personnel has improved to support Kenny Pickett and put him in a position where the Steelers as a whole should be more effective in the red zone. I also think a part of this too is how much more effective will Najee Harris and the offensive line be in the red zone? If they're bowling people right. over, if they're getting touchdowns too, like you were saying, you know, it's not just Kenny Pickett necessarily connecting, connecting with Deontay Johnson or Pat Fryermuth. It's the whole. It's it's can this group do that? And let's say like you you start getting inside the 10, inside the five, and you're getting closer there, and your offensive line's able to get pushed so that Kenny Pickett doesn't need to be relied upon to, to score all your points in the in the red zone. Then you get to a point where defenses are like, look. We can't just sit around and and wait for that offensive line to get off the ball and push us. We got to send guys in and be aggressive and take some risks. And when you when teams start taking those risks, that's often when you get some one on one looks or even some open guys in the end zone that give Kenny Pickett easier chances to put up some of those red zone touchdowns and to have a better red zone uh, completion percentage. I think all of that plays a factor. It starts at the offensive line. It finishes with Kenny Pickett. And I think it, it, it depends on how they, how, how much to, together this group is. And I think a big part of it will be every day in training camp, when you you know you know what time it is when you hear seven shots and they're right. lining up and they're getting ready to, to do it uh, against the defense. For those who don't know what seven shots is, it's the drill when at the start of like the 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 team part of practice, the defense and the offense line up at the two yard line, and the defense tries to stop them seven straight times. If the offense and they just it's about who get, who wins that time that more often. If the offense gets in more for, for uh, you know more than you know four more times, they win. If the defense gets four more stops, they win. And that's where I think the Steelers red zone offense drastically improved in the 2010s was when they started to do that under Todd Haley and they kept it going and they, they became one of the better red zone offenses in the NFL. But again, that take that comes with experience that took Ben Roethlisberger in that offense years to understand and to kind of get into their own groove. It's going to take Kenny Pickett in this offense time. And that's where I think it's going to be something to, to closely watch this time around to see how much sharper are they against a defense that is really talented and could be up there with the best in the NFL. The other factor is also Matt Canada, which we haven't discussed Of course. Yet. And so, of course. you know, will he have some new wrinkles that highlight some of these new personnel? And then also, is he on the same page with Kenny Pickett? I can think back to when Kenny was inserted into that game at halftime against the Jets, and he did score a touchdown his, his first time out there. He said that he and Matt Canada had a discussion. And, and Matt Canada said, what play do you like here? And asked him for that he had 
basically three options, hand the ball off, throw it, or run it. And I believe Kenny ended up running the ball into the end zone for the touchdown. But, you know, over training camp, that's another part where that seven shots drill will be valuable is Kenny learning some of the different – or really like rehearsing and practicing some of these plays and then deciding when they get into a game situation, this is the one that I really feel comfortable um, with and having that open dialogue between the coach and the quarterback. And that's one of the reasons that if you, you know, one of the reasons in, in support of the Steelers bringing back Matt Canada is those two guys worked together well last year. They already developed a bit of a relationship. Now, you know, the Steelers believe that that relationship was worth extent, keeping Matt Canada on for another year. Now in the red zone, you know, when they need to have these tough discussions in critical times of the game, is it going to show up? And, and you know, time will only tell there. I hear you. I think it is a time will tell situation. It's something that we're going to have to wait on, but that's what we why we have these discussions now so that when training camp does roll around and the season does roll around, y'all are, y'all are ready for those questions and looking at the right things as we focus in on the Steelers. He's Mike DeFabo of the athletic covering the Steelers for them, along with Mark Caboli. We thank you, Mike, for joining the show again, let people know they can find you, follow you and get more of your work. Yeah, absolutely. I keep it real easy. My Twitter handle is just at Mike DeFabo. Uh, the last name's D-E-F-A-B-O. You can find me on Twitter there and uh, all of my work in The Athletic. I hear you. Go get go get Mike DeFabo's work at The Athletic. He does a great job following on Twitter. Thanks again, Mike, for joining the show. And thank you all for, for tuning into the show here on a Thursday episode of the Locked On Stock Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, post-gazette.com, and check out our North Shore Drive podcast there as well. We do this show, the, the Locked On Steelers podcast, Monday through Friday on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as our bonus content and just a reminder if you guys ha- have it in you please 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 come out and support our our uh, donation efforts for the cystic fibrosis foundation we have a link that's attached in the description of this podcast whether on youtube or your favorite podcasting app or if you're watching us you can use the qr code on your screen if you're on youtube but if you donate to this and you donate at least ten dollars and you call into our number 412-223-6644 you are guaranteed to, to get an on-air answer as soon as as soon as possible a week is the longest you'd wait but right now we because it's the off season we don't have as many calls so you'd be right on you'd be right up immediately as soon as you call with a ten dollar donation so thanks again to all those who have been donating to the cystic fibrosis foundation campaign we've been running we're back tomorrow finishing up the week with a friday episode of the lockdown Steelers podcast i'm your host chris carter we'll see you then 